0: Well, welcome again. We're glad to have you with us. It's our Wednesday night service. And um, during this time, I hope that you are thinking and kind of uh, uh, recharging yourself and getting energized by the Word of God and a little bit of fellowship here. And also that you are praying for one another. Um, The newsletter, of course, is on our website at gracewayokc.org. And under the events tab, if you click that down, you'll be able to get the newsletter. And keep up with one another, and also, more importantly, to pray for one another. And we sure appreciate your prayers and your support. And thank you so much for that during these, well, no other way to put it, but these strange times. And yet they're under the control of a sovereign God, and God has His purpose in them. And so we'll ride it out, and we'll trust Him to do great things that are far above anything that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us, that Christ might receive even more glory in the church. And one of the things we have to take as life comes along, things that are out of our control and things that we know are under the control of a sovereign God, even when we don't understand them, we have to understand that God does them. For his own glory. And somehow, through all of this, he is actually going to receive more glory than he would have if this pandemic had never happened. So um, we'll just trust him and we'll ride it out. And when it's all said and done, we're going to see God do amazing things. And um, maybe we don't see him in this life, but we'll see him at the judgment seat of Christ and we'll talk about him for an eternity in heaven. So, regardless of what you see and regardless of what you feel, Let your faith be the uh, thing that holds you up, and let your doctrine, let the truth that you know, let that be uh, uh, where your soul is anchored. Let's put it that way. Let's stand on the rock of what God has revealed to us in His Word. Now, we've been looking for, uh, this will be the third week in Psalm 67 you normally would think in a short psalm like this, you could blaze right through it. But there's so much in here, and it is so incredibly rich, and it's life changing, and it'll change your attitude and your heart about things. Now, our premise has been that we look and we say uh, so casually and so easily, Oh Lord, bless us. And we say that when we don't know what else to say, frankly. And uh, that's just kind of our spiritual catch-all word. Um, Bless so-and-so, bless them, bless this, bless our food, bless whatever, you know. And uh, what do we mean by that? Is that something that we get at the mailbox? Is that something that, is it a weird feeling that comes up? What does it mean to be blessed? Well, both the Hebrew and the Greek word for bless actually have the idea of happiness, There's nothing wrong with being happy. Now, I know you've heard preachers say all of your life, God doesn't uh, care about your happiness, it's about your holiness. Well, but the word blessed, uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, carry the idea... Of having life go well or having this sense of joy and well-being and happiness, if you please, in spite of what the outward circumstances might be. And uh, maybe we could think of it like this. Anybody could be happy when everything is going exactly what we want, when all of our prayers are answered, when everybody's doing well, when we have plenty of everything that we need. I mean, we all could be happy on that. Even a lost person could be happy in that situation, and some of them are. But in our human depravity, uh, after a while, things like that become just normal. And uh, we might call them first world problems, right? And we think about things that our generation grapples with. Our Wi-Fi at our house went out the other day. okay? And I'm not a millennial. And I like to have died. The Wi-Fi was out. What are we going to do? We're we're sort of isolated and trapped. And it's scary when you can't communicate on all of that. We think about things. uh, Well, we think about the way we used to live. A lot of you, if you're my age, you remember when you were a little kid, uh, you would say, Mom, can I go out and play? And she said, Yeah, I'll be sure you're back for supper. And she had no idea where we were. And we were out riding our bikes. We would be out maybe in a field exploring. We might be playing baseball. We might be doing something else. And uh, we might even be getting into trouble occasionally. We did that. Uh, but, you know, we, we did it and we survived, most of us. And, um, you know, you, you knew when the streetlights came on or whatever your signal was. Maybe there was a, a kid whose dad could whistle where you could hear it for like 30 miles. And when that happened, you know, we all knew we probably all ought to get home. And we didn't really worry about it. Can you imagine what it must have been like going back even further? Back in uh, the days when maybe dad would go hunting on horseback. And when he left, you didn't hear from him until he got back. And all of those times that he was gone, maybe it was a few days, maybe it was a week, maybe it was a few weeks, and you just didn't know. There was no way to keep up with him. Think about all of the things that we have now where we can communicate, where we can get information, where we can be entertained, and all of that. And think about how our anxiety levels have really gone up Instead of going down. In fact during this quarantine. As I think about uh, how hard the quarantine was. Did you have any trouble with it? I did. And I would be sitting there watching TV. And I would just kind of feel a little bit of frustration. Maybe a little bit of anger. uh, A little bit of anxiety about things. We didn't know what all was going to happen. And uh, then I thought this is crazy. I'm not doing anything differently Tonight than I would be doing any other night. I was sitting in my chair watching TV. Um, It's funny how things can always find a way. Again in our depravity and in our sin. To be discontented. To be worried. Anxious. Angry. um, All kinds of things like that. And uh, how do I know that that's a part of human nature? Because Adam and Eve did the same thing. In a perfect environment. In a perfect world. In the Garden of Eden, remember, they had everything they could ever want. God had provided for them. And the environment was perfect. Work was fulfilling. Everything was fruitful. They had anything that they could ever want. And they had fellowship with God. And they had fellowship with one another. And uh, then the snake enters the scene. And then he has to bring up something that they don't have. And Eve took the bait, as we all know. And uh, she starts thinking about it. You know, maybe there is more. And maybe there is something else. And maybe there's something that I'm missing. And uh, then it says that she took it and she took the bite of the fruit. And then she gave it to Adam who was with her. Adam walked into it with his eyes wide open. He knew exactly what was going on, and exactly what he was doing. That's why he was more accountable than was Eve. And so we think about human nature, that if God were to make everything perfect on earth right now, perfect government, uh, perfect food, everybody had perfect health, I mean, on and on we could go, perfect environment, Um, you know what would happen to us? As unchanged, depraved humans, we would find a way where that wouldn't be good and it wouldn't be right and uh, we would be discontented with something. All of this stuff that has been going on with us, I don't know what happens in the big picture, but I do know this. God is using this to sanctify you, to reveal some things about you and to draw you to himself. Now, why would he want to do that? Because God wants to bless his children and he wants his children to enjoy the blessings and so many blessings we just are like a a little child we take them for granted and uh, we do like one of my uh, grandsons said that uh, if something gets broken well grandmama you can just buy me another one and that's kind of the way we do with God we don't really appreciate what he has given us. And so whenever we come to the point of saying, God bless me, what do we mean by that? What are we going to do with that? What does that really, really look like? And is there some other purpose just besides giving a little kid a toy that he can play with, break or lose before too long? Well, David in Psalm 67 has a little more in mind than just simply Uh, you know, Lord, give me what I've got on my little shopping list here. He says, and we'll go back and read verse 1 and 2, and I know we've already covered that, but we'll keep it kind of complete. God be merciful to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Remember we said when the king smiled, you had a good chance that you were going to be okay, and you were going to get your... um, Desire granted. Okay. Um, Verse 2. Why? Here's the purpose. That your way may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. Have you ever said God bless me. I need this. And do it so that it will help me fulfill the great commission. I bet you probably haven't ever done that. Or if you have it's a rarity. And yet that's what David is saying, and the Great Commission really hasn't been given yet. But that's the heart of David. David is a man after God's own heart, and he got some things right, didn't he? Well, there it is. That's perfectly relevant for us. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Now let's pick up what we're going to cover this week. Verse 3, let the peoples, and by that it means the Gentile nations... Those other than Israel. okay? Those pagans, those barbarians, those idol worshipers. Those people that the Jews had never even heard of. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Implication, they're not now. We're wanting them to do that. Let all the peoples praise you. Verse 4, O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? Because they're not doing that now. They're not glad and they're not singing for joy. And then he says, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations of the earth. And then he says, Selah. In other words, that's something that we probably ought to stop and think about. When we think about the nations of the world, we think about the earth groaning. We think about people under slavery and oppression. We think about people in poverty. We think about people that don't have enough to eat. We think about people that don't have clean drinking water. We think about people where the governments that they are under are using them and oppressing them and how there is corruption and all kinds of things that are going on where people are living horrible, horrible lives. And David, here he is as the king of Israel, he says, oh God bless me, the man after God's own heart, a man who was a worshiper of God, a follower of God, someone who knew God, someone who wanted to build a temple for God. Someone who had sacrificed uh, to the Lord. Someone who had been blessed by God. He had seen miraculous things take place in his life, like killing a giant when he's a little kid, a junior high kid anyway. And uh, this is somebody whose life has really been blessed. And yet, when he prays for God's blessing, isn't it interesting that he doesn't pray about himself? Well, he does. Bless me, be merciful to me. The mercy recognizes I'm a sinner just like everyone else. I may be a better brand of sinner than others, but at the same time, I'm still a sinner. And I deserve the judgment of God. Be merciful to me and then bless me because there are some things I don't have and some things I can't do. Well, that's true of all of us, isn't it? We all are more limited than we would like to be. And yet, the blessing of God is what David prays for, and yet he prays for it, so that God would be more greatly honored and known throughout all of the earth, even among David's own enemies. Have you ever had a passion for God to bless you so that the blessings of God would go to the ends of the earth? Have you ever had a passion for God and you wanted him to bless you so badly so that your enemies would even experience the blessing of God you know when Jesus said we're supposed to pray for our enemies and we're supposed to bless those who curse us and that kind of thing I have a hard time doing that don't you That goes against the way I am. That goes against what I think is right and just. And yes, that's what Jesus said to do. And in a sense, while David doesn't specifically mention them, in this case, that's exactly what he's saying when he says, let the peoples and the nations. In fact, he specifies it so we don't miss it. All the peoples praise you. He wants them to be right with God. Do you know that those people that you have difficulty with, those people in your family that you don't get along with, those people that bully you, those people that pressure you, those people that make fun of you, those people that reject you, those people that shame you, I mean, whatever it is and whoever they are and whatever the age is, here's the bottom line. Did you know that if they would get saved and be right with God, you wouldn't have that problem with them anymore, would you? And sometimes we forget That we are down here on earth to be ambassadors for Christ. And that ambassadorship means we represent heaven on a fallen, depraved earth to people who are citizens of another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. And we are to represent Christ to them even when they abuse us, even when they disagree with us, even when they persecute us. Folks, we got to keep our heart right. And we've got to get the message out to people that we are citizens of the kingdom of light, the Bible says. That we are the ones with the good news, the gospel. That's literally what gospel means, with good news. And yet here we are acting like the world is our enemy, that lost people are messing up our life, that we hate them. And if we could just get rid of all the lost people, then everything would be great. The truth of the matter is, We need them to be saved so that they can be like us. And we have problems in our own families. We have problems in the church. Believers have trouble getting along with one another because while you can still sin, you're dangerous, really dangerous. You can betray, you can lie, you can cheat and steal and all of those kind of things. And that messes up relationships. So we want to be sanctified, and we want to grow, and we want to be blessed of God. And we want that blessing not just to be contained within us, but to, well, here's point number one. God blesses us so that the blessing can be dispersed. We want the blessing to go out, and we want it to go to other people, and we want it to go all the way around the world if that's possible. Now, it may just go sometimes to your children. It might just go to your husband. It might just go to your wife. There's nothing wrong with blessing those people. It might be in your church. It might be for your pastor or your staff or an elder or a deacon. There's nothing wrong with that. But it also might go across the street. It might go down the block. It might go into the workplace or into the school. And it might even go all the way around the world. It's kind of like... That butterfly effect that they talk about where a butterfly on the other side of the world flaps their wings a certain way. And then things are set in a chain of events that end up with a powerful storm maybe hitting on the other side of the earth. And we are the ones that whatever we do in the blessedness of God, we always want to give it out. That may be a massive amount, you know. There are some rich people that God has blessed tremendously and they're able to give an awful lot of money to uh, specific causes. Nothing wrong with that. At the same time, Jesus talks to us about giving a cup of cold water in his name, that that'll be great and uh, blessed and rewarded by God. Now, if you are supposed to give a million dollars and you're only giving a cup of cold water, that's a different story, right? But if you don't have anything else to give, but you can share a cup of cold water, that's what Jesus is talking about. We take the blessings that we have, not the ones we wish we had, and not the ones we think we ought to have, and not the ones we envy from other people. We just take what we've got. And if you'll use what you've got and share what you can and disperse it, you never know what the effect might be because it might start a chain reaction that goes all the way around the world and is more powerful than you might ever think. So we bless others. We make his, uh, God has made his body diverse and we want it to be diverse too. You see, our goal in being blessed of God ought to be to bring more people into the kingdom of God who are not like us. David said... Don't just let the Jews praise you, let the peoples praise you, O God. He wanted some Gentiles like you... And like me, to be included in the kingdom of God. And when we get to heaven, what a great thing that's going to be when we see the diversity there and yet the harmony there of all of the people that God has enfolded into his kingdom. And then when God rewards us for the part we had to play, how a sovereign God used us to bring other people into his body, man, that ought to make an Episcopalian shout. That's an exciting thing to think about. We we bless other people and we cause people that are in misery uh, to and need and want and poverty and all of that to actually start praising the Lord. So what could you do with your blessings that would cause others to give praise to God? Let the peoples praise you. What are you and I as a church body or as individuals or as families, what are we doing To make praise break out in our land, in our neighborhood, in our communities. One of the things that you will notice if you uh, ever have a chance to help somebody who really has a need. And you meet that need. You know one of the first things they do many times is to say thank the Lord. Now they may not have given thanks for a long time. But right there they did. Dave Ramsey told told a story Told, told a story about on Thanksgiving Day, one of his traditions is to load up his family and they go to Waffle Hut. I like Waffle Hut, but they don't go there to eat. He parks the car out in the front, in front of that big window, and then he would tell his kids, just watch. And he would go inside, sit at the counter, order a cup of coffee. And sit there and drink part of the coffee. And the waitress would bring it. You want some more? No, I don't need any more. I just need my check. And she would give the check. And then he would put down three $100 bills. Enough to cover the coffee, of course. But the rest of it was for a tip. Then he would leave. And then he would tell his kids, now watch. Watch what happens. He said, one of the things you know about people that work at Waffle Hut on Thanksgiving Day they don't work there because they want to. They work there because they need to. And he was just able, because of the resources he had, to leave a very generous tip. And he said that they go back out in the car and then they watch. And he said, and when you watch that waitress pick up that money and that check and she realizes what has happened. The first thing, her mouth drops open. The second thing, tears form in her eyes. And the third thing, she looks up and she mouths the word, thank you. And he said, I don't know what her life was like, but I may have just made the difference in whether she pays rent or not, whether she keeps her lights on or not. I may have made the difference in whether she gets to buy her child a Christmas present or not. He goes, I don't know what happened, but one of the things I do know happened is for the first time in a long time, she had something to say thank you to God about. Well, I obviously have not forgotten that story. And it makes me want to do some things, whether they're little things or big things, whether I've got a lot of money available or whether maybe I don't have any money available, but just a random act of kindness Could I do something? Could you do something? And would we have the audacity to pray for God to bless us so that in this fallen world, we might take somebody who is broken, who is bitter, who feels like they've been abandoned by God and forgotten by everybody else to all of a sudden mouth a word not of cursing, but of praise. A word of faith. Thanks unto the Lord. That's what David is praying for. Lord bless me so that the peoples, these Gentiles, will actually have reason to praise you. So, because God wants to disperse these things. Let's move on. Number two, to bring more glory to his name. And he says, let the people praise you. And then he says, well just in case we're not real sure about that. Not just some people. Not just a few people. Not just a select group of people here or there. Not just people we like. Not just people we get along with. He says, let all, A-L-L, all the peoples praise you. And I think about that and I think about, dear Lord, your name is not receiving the honor and the glory that it deserves among the entire earth. Now, what can I do... What can I do so that you receive more glory from your creation? Well, I'm kind of limited. You're kind of limited. And sometimes that's why we... Pool things together. That's why sometimes we take up a blessing bucket and we bless somebody else. That's why there are times that we might do something for a a mission project. That's why we might do something like not too long ago we uh, fed a bunch of uh, policemen and first responders, right? Because that tends to have a ripple effect to go on out. And that brings glory to God. That changes people's view of the people of God and we let our light shine before men so that others see our good works and then they do what? Well, if we did it right, they glorify our Father which is in heaven. God can use that. Do we have the boldness to pray, God bless me, so that your name might receive more glory on the face of the earth? Jew and Gentile, all regions, all languages on every continent. And the question would be, what could you do with your blessings to cause uh, cause others to see your light shine and glorify your Father who is in heaven? So that you don't take the credit for it. You give the glory unto the Lord and point them to a God that they may not know and they may not have thought of. A God maybe that they need to return to. I don't know what the situation is. But what if we live life like that? And what if any time we got a raise, we didn't immediately think, oh boy, new car, oh boy, we can go on a cruise. What if the first thing we thought is, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And God may say, get a new car. There's nothing wrong with that. He may say, go on a cruise. Nothing wrong with that. He may also say, I want you to help a widow. I want you to help an orphan. I want you to help somebody down the street who, uh, you know, might need the help. He might tell you to help somebody who doesn't need the help, who just needs a reminder that there is a God in heaven that they are accountable to. I don't know. Think about it. Number three, God bless me to benefit a chaotic world. Uh, Here's where I get that. Verse 4. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. You will judge the people righteously. You know, slaves and oppressed people might sing. We've heard those stories. And maybe we've even sung some of the old Negro spirituals that were written by slaves. And they would sing them while they worked in the field. But I want you to think about something. They might sing to pass the time. They might sing to ease the burden. They might even sing to communicate with one another about something. But they don't sing for joy. They don't sing in gladness. And it might be that any nation you go to, any tribe that you go to, however advanced or however primitive, you'll find music in anything that they do. David's thing was, I don't want to hear the nations just sing. I want them to sing for joy. Why? Because they've been liberated. I want them to sing for joy because in the lordship of Jesus Christ, as he rules and reigns over them, there's justice. There's mercy. Fairness in government. There's not Corruption, there's not abuse, there's not sex trafficking, there's not uh, drugs and alcohol that are ruining families or anything like that. You see what I'm saying? That the nations, because of the liberation of the gospel of Christ and because of the sovereign rule of God, they're actually able to sing for joy. There's not anarchy, there's not rioting, there's not murder, there's not any of those kind of things that are going on because. As truth spreads, things change. And when government and society are governed righteously, uh, then there's no anarchy, there's no lawlessness, and punishment fits the crime, and the innocent are protected, and rights are protected, and life is even protected. Think about what a difference it would be in our own land right now, the way things are, much less all around the world. To be able to actually sing for joy. Sing for joy. So what could you do with your blessings that would make someone feel joy? What could you do with your blessings to bring order, peace, and prosperity to someone else? This is why David is asking to be blessed. It's not just for comfort. It's for a purpose, for the glory of God. And lastly... To bring submission to the lordship of Christ. He talks about here and govern the nations on earth. Well when God governs them that means that they are under his control. Aren't they already under his control? Yeah they really are. But there's a difference between somebody that is under the control of God willingly and submissively and the one that is under the control of God resistantly and bowing up their neck and uh, they are being forced to do whatever God wants. Big difference, isn't there? Big difference. I want to be and you ought to want to be the kind of people that say, God, I know you're sovereign. I know you're controlling my steps. And I want to be cooperative. And I want to be joyful. And I want to be peaceful as I walk the way that you've chosen. I don't want to be scooted. I don't want to be drugged. I don't want to be shoved. I don't want to be forced by those things. And that's what we ought to want for all of the nations of the earth. Now I know there's a coming earthly kingdom when Jesus is going to come and rule and reign. It's what we call the already slash not yet kingdom kingdom. And uh, I know that. But I also know that God, as a sovereign king, is ruling and reigning now. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And I know in Revelation 20, there's another future earthly kingdom. And that's going to happen with or without you and with with or without me. But I'm concerned about getting people into the kingdom now, out of darkness, into light, out of chaos and into order, out of paganism and into a right relationship with the one true and the living God. And I just want to ask you this question. What could you do with your blessings that would bring people into the kingdom, both the present and and the future you see folks use your blessings well what are my blessings let's just go through these real quick time is a blessing you may not have any money but you got time what how are you using your time to benefit other people for the glory of god Prayer is a blessing. Are you praying about these things we've been talking about? Skill is a blessing. Can you use your talents and your skill, your ability to bless other people? Money is a blessing. Your possessions are a blessing. Are you using them for the glory of God and to help other people? Friendship is a blessing. A lot of people are lonely. Compassion is a blessing. And let me just end up by saying your influence is a blessing everybody has the gift and the blessing of influence how are you using it for good or for bad for God's glory or for self-gain how are you using it David said oh Lord bless me have mercy upon me and bless me why so that others might know you and serve you and you might receive more glory would that change your life Guarantee you it would. And more importantly, it might change someone else's life. May the Lord bless you as you use your blessings to go about the business of God and to let the blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And may they flow through you and me for his glory and for the good of other people. Thank you. And may the Lord bless you this week.